Hi, friends. I'm Olivia. I'm Rod. And you're listening to Just One More Thing from Sunrise Church. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the last episode of season one for Just One More Thing from Sunrise Church. In today's episode, we are covering the Sunday, November 19th sermon titled Credentialed. And this is the last sermon in our series on assurance. And I'm going to start with the video clip because I thought that that was a really good summarizing video clip. I know you didn't really bring it back into the sermon, but I think it kind of stood on its own. Could you talk about that video clip, why you chose it for this last sermon instead of bringing it up sooner? The concept there was this lady is giving her life. Her life is dependent upon the work of that parachute. And uh, the gentleman tells her he packed it himself. And she said, are, are you sure? Are you sure? Are you certain it's going to work? And uh, he said, yeah, he's kind of hesitant. And then he crosses his fingers. And, you know, when your life depends on something, you want to be you want to be certain. And so I thought that clip just kind of summed up this whole thing. And we can have assurance based on the promise of Jesus to give us eternal life if we'll just ask him for it. And we don't need to cross our fingers. So I thought it was quick. It was about 22 seconds long. And also I thought it was something that would come up time and time again as people watch TV and they see that commercial. They'll, they will link it to assurance of salvation, not just jumping out of an airplane. One part of this sermon was looking at Matthew 7, the end of Matthew 7, because that was a question that came in for the podcast. So you handled that. And I think that was a I think that was a very clear explanation of that passage, so I would encourage people to go back and watch the sermon if they are interested in that. But then you also went back to John, which is where we started this series. We started it in John 4, and so you went back to, you know, John 3.16, you went back to John 4. um, John 6. John 6. And then John 20, where he sums up the reason for writing the book, and then 1 John. You know, it's interesting. Uh, I left something out when he said in John 640, he says, for my father's will, because that's what we were talking about. Uh, Jesus said, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom, but he who does my father's will. The problem is we read into that what we want the father's will to do. And we come up with a number of things. The Father's will is that you go to church. The Father's will is that you tithe. The Father's will is that you do good works. But Jesus clearly tells us what the Father's will is. And in verse 40 of chapter 6 of John, he says, For my Father's will is that everyone who looks to the Son and believes in him shall have eternal life, and I will raise them up at the last day. And I forgot to explain that phrase who believes in him, shall have. And when we think about that, it's kind of nebulous. It's kind of like, you know, the promise in the future shall have. But that term really means to possess, will possess, will hold, will, um, you know, will hold on to. It's like they have it right now. And I really meant to bring that out and didn't. So that was the the one more thing that bugged me that I that left off. Yeah, the way that I when you were talking about it, understood it was it's kind of like when you have a retirement fund and they say, okay, you can't take out this money until you're 60 or else there's going to be a penalty. That's not what we're talking about here. You know, that's, we have, we have it right now. It's, it's, it's in our hands. So it's not something that we have to, oh, well, I guess I need to wait and, and then I'll have it maybe. No, you got it right now. Right now. 
So after we went back through John, which was helpful because that's how we started this sermon. So I think it was really good to go back to the beginning and, and kind of close that circle. And hopefully people thought that was helpful as well. But after that, you went through an illustration, which I've heard you give before. I don't know how many times maybe that you've given it in a sermon, but it was an illustration about you and your dad going to the masters, which is a very good illustration about acting on a promise and doing things that may seem crazy, but you have a promise and the person who promised it, you knew that it was as good as gold what that promise was. So can you talk a little bit about that ending illustration? Last week was the anniversary, the 13th anniversary of my dad's death, your grandfather, and um, it was his birthday as well. He was born on November the 12th and he died on November the 16th uh, of his 75th year. I was just I was sharing with someone on the phone on Thursday, the anniversary of his death, about that trip that we had. Uh, because after we took this trip to the Masters, it was only a little over three years later that he passed away. But from the time of that trip to the day he died, we talked about that trip. It had such an impact. And Really, there was a point in which he did not think it was going to happen. In fact, that the morning that we were leaving for Augusta National, when he pulled in to my house to leave his car at my house for us to drive to Augusta National, the first thing he wanted to see were the tickets. I mean, to see Augusta National or to see tickets to the Masters would be something he'd never seen. And, and he wanted to see them. And I said, Dad, I don't have them. And you just could tell that his face was dejected as he said, oh, this isn't going to happen. Because I'd, I'd given him the little gray card with the promise that he was going to see the Masters from a, a greenside bunker at Augusta National. And he said, well, why are we going? I said, no, no, Dad, we're going. I said, but I've got, I've got this white envelope. And so he, he's over there in the passenger seat. And what I didn't say during the sermon is, I'm telling you, he must have looked at that white envelope 10 times on the way to Augusta National. He, he just kept looking. He kept, kept looking at it and kept thinking, you know, you know, wh- what in here guarantees me that, that I'm going to see the Masters? And, of course, there was nothing in there that guaranteed it. The reason we did it is because, uh, and I went on and used her name. It's the first time I ever used her name publicly like that was Paula had promised me tickets. She said, this is what will get you in. And I acted on that promise. And so uh, up until the time we entered the tent, the hospitality tent, when they gave us our lanyards, Dad wasn't 100% sure that he was going to see the Masters. And to to experience the grounds of Augusta National with him was just amazing. And And I closed the illustration by saying he stood on a little mound behind number 8T, between number 18 Fairway and number 7 Green. And he just kept looking around, and he looked around, and he says, I just never thought I would be here. I never thought I would be here. And, and he was looking for one thing, a ticket to guarantee it, but, but we didn't have a ticket. What we had was something more. We had a promise, a promise from somebody with character. And I likened that unto the assurance of salvation. People want guarantees. Well, the assurance of your salvation is guaranteed on the character and promise of God for eternal life, that what Jesus did for you, that was enough. Now, the cross, that explains how he did it. But what he offers you is eternal life, 
The fact of, of how he paid for that was on the cross. The fact that he has the right to offer this to you uh, is because he paid for it on the cross. And so I just find that illustration, people can identify with that illustration. Because in golf world, you hear stories about people flying to Augusta, thinking they're going to get into Augusta National for the Masters, and it doesn't happen because they don't have tickets. And you just not, not anybody can just waltz into that place. So a person had made preparation, and it was a white envelope. It wasn't a ticket. And we acted based on the promise of the individual who gave it to us. And Dad and I were the beneficiaries of that. And to the day he died, we talked about it. In fact, someone else gave us another day's ticket. And until that gentleman passed away, I would call every weekend of a master's and I would just thank him for what a difference that he had made for me and my dad. Even after, in fact, when dad died, I called and, and told him dad had died and just how special that was. And, and Paula and this gentleman uh, who lives down in Augusta, they knew how special that was. And I just think it's a, a perfect illustration of the promise God makes to us so that we can be with him in the kingdom. Yeah, I think it's a great illustration. And like you said, I do think that people, when they hear that, I think it'll click in a, in a new way, hopefully, and really sink in what assurance means and what it is based on. And now you also mentioned in the sermon that we would be talking in this podcast about John 15. So what do you want to say about John 15? Yeah, a lot of people use John 15, the vine and the branches. They read into it that people don't know whether they're they're saved or not. They, they might be professing Christians, but not possessing Christians. But one must remember that, number one, Jesus is talking to the eleven. Judas is not there. This is uh, the upper room discourse. Judas has left. And you think about Jesus knows what they're going to face over the next three days. He knows the disappointments, the heartache, the betrayal. And he tells them and encourages them to abide in him. And look, we cannot do anything, even anything good, unless we abide in him. Uh, There's some good works we will do that we'll do it for wrong motives. And 1 Corinthians 3 tells us those works will be tried and burned up, you know, at the judgment seat of Christ, when, when believers aren't facing eternal judgment, but it's a judgment of our, our rewards, what rewards we receive, and it's a purifying uh, act. Uh, this, I think, uh, the, these are comforting words. They are spoken to believers, and that he's using an illustration they'd be very familiar with about pruning, about, in fact, the word, uh, there, there's a word, a Greek word there, and uh, I think cut cut off is one translation, but I think a better translation is lifted up, that God is going to lift them up. God is going to encourage them. We know that this played out perfectly, exactly what Jesus said in John 15 with the disciples. We know that Peter turned away, but it doesn't mean he was cast out. He was, he was tried. He felt tremendous guilt, but he was brought back in. So, you know, I don't see that John 15 has anything to do with proving whether someone is a believer or not. I mean, there's more to it than that, but, but I think that's pretty much the bottom line. And the reason we end up saying that this has to do with eternity is because when it says fire, when it uses the illustration of the fire, we think, oh, that must be talking about hell. But we know our works will be tried by fire in 1 Corinthians 3. In fact, one 
person who would d- disagree with me in this whole realm of assurance of salvation, uh, James Montgomery Boyce, he even acknowledges in John 15 that he's talking to believers and he's talking about their works being tried and uh, a temporal judgment. You know, God has a way of getting us back online. God has a way of, of getting us back to the point where we can bear fruit, more fruit, much fruit. So I think that's what John 15 is talking about. And I think it's applicable specifically. John is describing the conversation that happened between Jesus and the 11 disciples. I think we need to look at it at that level first before we go to the application stage, what it means for the rest of us. John 15, 6 says, If anyone does not abide in me, he is thrown away like a branch and withers, and the branches are gathered thrown into the fire and burned. And I think, yeah, that's what you were saying. Usually when people see that, they think, oh, these were professing Christians, not possessing Christians. And so they are tossed out. But another thing, too, is when you think about abiding in Christ, there's a very close relationship there that's happening. The verse after that one that I just read, verse 7 says, If you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. By this, my Father is glorified, that you bear much fruit and so prove to be my disciples. If you're walking really closely with someone, like you and you and Paula had a very good, close relationship. And so even though you didn't ask about the master's ticket, she, on your behalf, was willing to ask for that because of because she knows you. and She and- knew what, that, what it would mean to me. I, I never even suggested that she knew what it would mean to me right but and there's and there's a closeness there and i think that if you make the distinction that you can be a believer and either choose to stunt your growth or you're not in a position where there's a good church you're not learning you're not growing and stunt your growth in christ that way there's a lot that you're missing out on there's a lot of fruit that you're not producing but that doesn't mean that you're not a believer that means that you're not a a fruitful disciple and i think that's where people really get tripped up is when they equate the two, being a believer and a disciple as the same thing, a lot of these passages, like the one that we just referred to, really trip them up. But if you make that distinction and you say, oh, there's the baseline being a believer, but then there's growth in that. There's different levels of closeness that you can have. One of the things, as we traveled this week to Florida and back, uh, your mother and I listened to a biography on Charles Schultz, the author of Peanuts. It was fascinating to me. Uh, He was a believer. He came to know Christ as his personal Savior. I think the testimony there is very, very clear. But in his case, it wasn't the drinking or the smoking. He didn't do any of that. But as he became popular and as his star rose, it seems like as his star rose in one arena, it diminished in another. I mean, it became almost impossible for him to go to church. And Towards the end of his life, he claimed to be an agnostic, and it was so sad. It was so tragic. He he went through a divorce. He the, the, it was just it was heartbreaking. And you know, I think I think that's a picture. It, it it breaks God's heart when we don't want to spend time with Him, when we don't want to to know Him, when we don't want to um, uh, demonstrate our relationship to Him by doing things as he would do. You know, he is so proud of us because we've accepted his offer of eternal life through simple faith. 
But there's so much more that's out there. And that's what I would encourage uh, people to realize, that you shouldn't look to the lowest common denominator. You're, you're exactly right. There is a big difference between a person knowing Christ, believing in Christ for the gift of eternal life, and them being a Christian, being called a Christian, being being little Christ, and being a disciple. That I could make an argument of those three different places within three different positions within people who are going to be in the kingdom. And I want to be a disciple. I want to be someone who uh, the old illustration was, if you were put on trial for being a Christian, would people be able to convict you for that? The only way that can happen is if you're abiding in Christ. And that's what I think he's urging in John 15. Hey, this has been a great, great experiment, our first year I am so appreciative to people who've taken the time to listen to this podcast. I mean, we've had people literally all over the world listen to this small podcast, and uh, it's been a fun ride. And so we're ready to crank up season two. I don't know if it'll be next week or or in a few weeks, but uh, I just want to thank our listeners for listening. and, And hopefully this has been a benefit to their spiritual growth. Yeah, and we will continue to answer any questions that you guys have, whether it's like you did in the in the sermon addressing a question or on this podcast. So keep the questions coming and we'll try to we'll try to address those and hopefully encourage you in doing so. Well, thank you for explaining the basically the entire sermon series. Um, No, but thank you for for explaining the a little more on things that you left out because I think that was helpful to address those just one more things. Yes. And thank you all for listening to another episode of Just One More Thing from Sunrise Church.